Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Thank you for listening to Bluebells Forever. This is Sherry. In this episode with the wonderful Nat Guion, I tried muting myself to see if that would help with some feedback we've had on other episodes, but what it did was leave some awkward pauses when she would say something funny and I would respond, but I was muted. So I was enjoying her conversation, even though it might make for some awkward pauses in between. So thank you for being patient in this learning of Zoom and technology and this steep learning curve. Thank you and enjoy. So today I get to interview Nat, I'm going to say it right, Guyon, who is yes. in France, and I'm going to say, it's, just not, it's like Burgundy, but Burg, Bur, can you say that for me? Bourgogne. 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 Oh, that sounds much better when you say it. <laughs> so, like when we first checked in, that you have not been speaking English for a while. So I appreciate you even doing this because my French is like about seven words, so we have to do it. <laughs> it's all right. I like to practice. Oh, good. Can you, um, so you, you grew up in Lyon, which I visited a few years ago and I was so impressed. It's so beautiful. Can you just share a little bit of what it was like growing up and what your, you know, your path to the, to the bluebell world was, and you can just kind of take us anywhere on that journey and I'll only interject now and then. <laughs> okay. Well, then I, I started dancing at three years old. My mom put me in a dance class. Um, I really liked it. And at six, I decided I wanted to be a dancer when I, was, when I, when I grow old. <laughs> uh, my mom really, really didn't believe in it because I was very, very tall. And, and she kept telling me, no, you're too tall. You can't, do a, you can't be a ballet dancer. It's impossible. Well, one day I saw on TV the Bluebell Girls because in France there's a tradition for New Year's Eve you get the Bluebell Girls or the Moulin Rouge dancers or the Crazy Horse Girls. Well, you get a cabaret night. And I said to my mom, look, they're very tall. I can do that now. And she said, well, maybe you'll be as tall as them. And by the time I was 13 years old, I had the minimum height to be a bluebell. <laughs> then uh, I started doing modern jazz and uh, in a, as well as ballet classes because I thought it was good if I wanted to be a bluebell, not to be just a ballet dancer. And uh, then after that, I met in that dance school, there was a... Um, uh, a little cabaret company that was semi-professional and they were doing shows during the weekend. So I saw them and when I was 14, 15, they said I, I was, I was uh, old enough to, to dance with them. Problem before is that I didn't have any tits to put in a bra. <laughs> um, uh, then I worked with this little company and in this little company there was a dancer that used to be a bluebell 20 years before. 
so she told me about the Lido and she kind of prepared me and taught me how to walk like a bluebell, you know, that kind those kind of little things that just bluebells have <laughs> normally. Um, and uh, when I was 16, we went on a holiday with my parents in Paris and we went to watch the Lido show. So my mom said, well, while you're there, maybe you should ask if there's a possibility for auditions or how it, how it is, how it happens. Um, so I asked to one of the waiters who took me to, uh, for the ones who knew him, to Douglas. That was the, the stage, uh, the chief stagehand of the Lido at the time. That was in 84 and it was Cocorico, the show. So Douglas told me, well, I think you're perfect to be a Bluebell. So I give you Miss Bluebell's private phone number. You should call her tomorrow and tell her you, you call from my part. That's what I did. And it was very frightening for me. <laughs> But then she said, well, she asked me how tall I was, how old I was, uh, if I was doing ballet. And because I said yes to the three questions, she said, okay, come tomorrow afternoon for an audition. So I went for an audition the next day and I was all alone with one dancer and Miss Bluebell in the Lido in the middle of the afternoon. And... Uh, and I felt like shit because I thought, no, it can't be for me. It's just too big. Uh, I didn't think I was able to, to uh, I had the level to, to, to be a bluebell. Well, anyway, I had to do a little ballet variation, a little bit of uh, one of the numbers of the show. <clears throat> and after that, she said, well, uh, when do you think you could start? So, uh, it was in February. I said, well, I'd just like to finish school. Like June would be great. <laughs> and uh, so I went till, till end of June. In the meantime, she called me twice to, to make sure I was coming. And, um, and uh, I finished school the 20th of June, something like this. And the 24th, I was in Paris starting rehearsals. <laughs> And on the fourth. Oh, sorry. You told me something that was really interesting. That you were one of the last dancers to audition for Miss Bluebell. Yes. Yes, so because Miss. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, because Miss Bluebell left the Lido uh, like a year after that. At the beginning of Panache, she she retired. So I was I came like six months before the end of Cocorico which means I'm, I'm in the last dancers that audition, had the chance to audition with Miss Bluebell in person. <laughs> yeah, that feels really, really special. Yes, she was a very sweet woman. Uh, that's like, I love hearing all that stories from the people that actually got to work with her. And it's a mm -hmm. nice pleasure for the younger ones that listen to this that don't have that, that part yeah. in their story. So I think that all of your stories that had the beginning, the middle and the end, are really beautiful. Yes, it's important. 
do you remember your rehearsal period, what it was like to rehearse for the show? And then I would love to hear about your opening night experience as well. <laughs> well, rehearsals were really hard for me because even though I was dancing a lot, I was not used to dance eight, six hours a day and, uh, and learn one number per day because I had exactly 15 days to learn 15 numbers and that was it. So it, my memory was very, <laughs> my head was hurting too, you know? And, uh, and I thought I, I, at some time, there was some night I was coming home and said, oh no, I will never make it. I'm just, it's just too hard. And the only thing that made me go on and don't let, let go that uh, was the, the proud, you know, because I thought, I said to everybody, I was going to be a bluebell girl back in Lyon. If I come back and say I couldn't make it, it's just such a shame, you know. So that's why I stayed. <laughs> and I had this really big fantasy about my first night, thinking that when I put my, my feet on the stage, it would be like, like orgasmic emotionally, you know, because it, you know, it's such a great dream and a, a child's dream. So uh, I was very, um, I was looking forward for that first night. And in the end, there was so much to think about, right? like where to run, where's my place, uh, uh, where's my costume, I have to get changed so much, so quick. Uh, I can't forget the, the steps. It took, the night came to the end and I had seen nothing. It just went like a flash and it was so frustrating. <laughs> do, you, do you remember how long it took you to really feel embodied in the show where you could enjoy it? Maybe a week or something. Yeah. Till, till, the, till the choreography gets gets in my body and I don't have to think about it all the time and the places and you know. Did you ever yeah. get to the place that felt like what you imagined where you got to have that orgasmic emotional feeling? I got that but not at the Lido because mm -hmm. unfortunately the, the audience at the Lido was quite um, was not very expensive uh, not expensive expressive? Uh, expressive yes <laughs> Uh, it happened to me when I later on when I worked in Estoril because uh, the audience was much more yeah and oh, we, had, we had standing ovations for example which never <laughs> happened in uh, at the Lido and my first standing ovation was kind of a very yeah. strong <laughs> experience. How how long did you stay at the Lido? I stayed for three years in all and did the end of Cocorico and the whole making of Panache and, the, and two years of Panache then. Because we talked before we recorded that there, you, you get to a place where you're ready to go on and do something else. When you were done with Cocorico, was it exciting to have a new show to get ready for, to kind of change it up so it didn't yeah. seem like the same thing? Yeah, yeah, that was very exciting. But after that, after two years, it was kind of bore. It got boring for me to dance the same show every night, six nights a week, twice a twice a night. 
So I wanted to do something else. That's why I went to the Moulin. Yeah, did you <laughs> audition while you were still at the Lido or did you quit? Oh, just after, just after. I did a little tour in Japan for one month and that's in, in, between, in between Lido and Moulin. So there was a little time when I auditioned. What was their experience like at the Moulin? Because I, when I was in Paris, I loved seeing both. There's some similarity, but very different. What was that? The like? show is, yeah, the show was very different. First of all, I was topless dancer, and for me at the Moulin, we danced more than at the Lido as topless, which was um, more interesting, of course. And um, and the the other main difference for me was that there was more French dancers at the Moulin, which make me feel a little bit more at home than at the Lido. <laughs> but otherwise, it's more or less the same way of working. How long did you do the Moulin? About one year. And then were you was that a, a year contract? And you finished a year the contract. Yeah, I finished and. Uh, and uh, I wanted to travel after that. So I worked with, with smaller companies doing tours. You could kind of feel it was the end of your time at Mulan, time to do something else? Yeah, I, well, I thought I have to travel while, I, while I'm young because if I stay in Paris, I might meet someone, get married, have, have kids, and then it's, it's over, you know? Yeah. So I thought traveling was more important. So what kind of shows did you do and where did you go? Were they big, big production shows or did you do smaller shows? Uh, well, I worked with a small, kind of small production show for a while. And I did a big tour in Italy in very small cabarets and in Madeira also, uh, Tunisia, little little places like this which was quite fun but not always very comfortable <laughs> uh, and after that i i i had a, one of a bluebell friend who worked for jose montes the high society ballet who was in uh who had big productions big productions in spain and portugal and i got a contract in estoril and casino estoril I was supposed to stay for six months and I stayed for seven years <laughs> because the show was changing every year. That meant we, I didn't get bored there. That makes sense because if there's always some change because if you, okay, I've done that, time to do something else. But if you get to be, that sounds like a really great mix. You get to stay in somewhere that you're getting these great audiences and you don't yeah. have to travel and move and you get to mix it up. That sounds like for certain personalities, that's such a great option then. Oh yeah, that was a really great contract. That's the best contract I ever did in my life for me. Plus were we were by the seaside, <laughs> treated was, like princes. Okay, that, that part was, seems was, was there a lot of time to get out and explore Portugal and be a part of the, the culture there? No, not to explore Portugal because we were basically, since the contracts were supposed to be only six months, the one who stayed didn't have any more advantages. So it meant we were working seven days a week. We had one day off per month and only two weeks holiday per year. 
But it was such a great life, we didn't care, really. Yeah. <laughs> People, I mean, all our families would come over to, work, to see us because it was a great holiday for all of them, you know. So we didn't really have, have to go other places. I visited Portugal later on when I left, when I stopped dancing and I went back to Portugal. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a, a really good balance. Like you've got the Lido and that, but then to, was this the end of your professional dance career? Was yeah. this your that like and what made you? was the last one. Why did you choose to be done? Almost. <laughs> Sorry? Why uh, did you choose to be done doing that? Because I had the impression I had done everything I wanted to do and I, could, I couldn't do anything new or more exciting than what I've already done. So that, that's why I said that that's, that's almost the end of my dancing career because I did a little bit more. <laughs> a few years later in Lyon, I worked in, in a very small cabaret, but not as a girl. I did a Victor Victoria number, you pretending did? I was a transvestite. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> And that was very, very fun. <laughs> that sounds like, it seems like the more I talk to you that there's something new and exciting to do so that you're always yeah. getting challenged and growing. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a great I'm, way to go out. I don't like to be bored. <laughs> I like yeah. to, to try new things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said something earlier and I can, I'm like, get that the same way. Like, because you were kind of known, I'm known for my body and my legs. So can you, can you share a bit more of why it felt like it was time to move on to something else? Yes, because also, yeah, I didn't want to be uh, just known for my body and my legs. I wanted to, to prove people I had brains too. So that's why during my different travels, I learned different languages like Spanish and Portuguese. And I learned, I, I worked on my English to make it more correct. And, you know, um, because I wanted to be, a, to become a translator. And, uh, and I did become a translator through a, a funny way because uh, I started just, I, I did different little jobs just to earn my life as like receptionists, anything, any kind of jobs that use languages. Then, um, um, then I did some choreographies for some actor friends, uh, which were the choreography on the play from an American playwright. Uh, I met this playwright uh, after the, the show and he, we, I, I, since I was the only one who could speak English, um, I was the, 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 the interpreter for, for the actors, between the actors and the, and the author. Um, and we stayed in contact with the, the author. Uh, a few years later, there was September 11th. And because I knew he was working in New York, I sent him a message. Uh, just to check out if he was okay. And three weeks after that, he sent me a text, a, a play that he wrote just after the, the thing. And I thought it was so good, so good. I wanted so my friends to read it, my French friends. So I translated it for my friends. And 
the author said, well, I think it's really well translated. I'd like to publish it. And that's why uh, after that, I started translating several plays for him. And I've, I've translated about for 10 years uh, for him. And there are two books of, uh, of plays <laughs> with my name as translator for the French version. Uh, and that's it. That's for my translation uh, career. <laughs> did you say you did something with your brother with acting with, was that with, the, with that playwright or did I get that wrong? Mm, no, I told you I would love to write something about bluebells, but write it with my actor, my brother who's an actor. Oh. Because, uh, because he, writes, he writes his own plays and uh, I'd like him to help me write something that maybe could be a show, not just a, a book about Rubel's yeah. stories. Oh, that's beautiful. Have you ever worked <laughs> with your brother on anything? I know you said you did some choreography. For oh, yes. We did music together when we were younger because I played drums and he played the piano. Uh, we did some cabaret numbers too when he was younger. And, uh, and sometimes he needs me for choreography still when he does a show, a play or something. That, I would love to see some of that work. And I, I yeah, that's really exciting about that. I want to find that play or the, the writer that you were talking about just to, to read. Yeah, that. I will send you some things, yeah. Thank you. So then you, you said like I moved on to the next thing. And what, what are you, yeah. what, what is your life like now? What, what happened between then and where you are now? Well, my life now, uh, <laughs> 10 years ago, <laughs> well, 15 years ago, I met a great man <laughs> for once, <laughs> <laughs> which I still have because the, I took care of him. And uh, he was my, my, I have another passion I didn't tell you about, but you have probably noticed. I, I love cooking and I love eating. I'm so greedy. So... Uh, this guy loves eating and cooking, so so we decided we were going to start a little uh, a little company, uh, not a company, well, something to to cook for people, you know, like for weddings and and parties and things like that. But we wanted to do very good cook, we only with farm products. So. To do that project, I thought, well, that would be a great idea if I had a diploma. So I went back to school for a year and had a diploma uh, of a cook, uh, delicatessen, and, and delicatessen, yeah. Um, and we did the, the little thing. We did the, we started a little uh, food factory. I don't know if you if it's the right word for that. Um, anyway, we were cooking for for weddings and and parties and and uh, that all that kind of things. Uh, but but we didn't have much money and uh, it didn't really work, and so we had to to close it. But it was another adventure, and we did it. And now, for the moment, I'm still a cook, but I think I'm going to have to stop, and I'm thinking about teaching cooking 
because I've got bad, bad back problems. Oh. And I've got a hernia on the, on the vertebras and, and I don't think I'll be able to cook anymore. That's a hard, a hard life it's, and you're standing all, uh, all day. You had said something earlier, and I don't know if it had to do with cooking, about the world kind of being a hard place. And you were, I don't know if it was a yeah. cooking supply. Can you, can you go into it? Because that was so beautiful how you said that. <laughs> well, I think the word is very hard. And, and for me, my way to survive to this hard word is to, to always find something exciting to do. And, uh, and I think uh, entertaining or, or pleasing people is part of it because I started dancing. For me, dancing and cooking are really similar. It's a hard, very hard job physically and mentally too. And it's also something just for other people's pleasure. Oh, wow. You that's, know? That's really beautiful to see that, that commonality. Like the, the world is hard. If we're doing a show, if we're cooking, like translate, it feels like that's a really beautiful through line of how do we make the world not so harsh and have some like yeah. ability to smile and laugh and be entertained and be um, have good okay. friends and yeah so i know you at the reunion you said you got together with some of the coco rico cast and you guys had your own yeah. get together can you share what that looked like and if you i know facebook has helped us find each other but what was that like to get those friends in one place again <sighs> It was so emotional. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I don't know. I mean, we cried so much and we were just overwhelmed by all this, all this love. And it's, it's funny because every people that I, well, we were all together after, for some people, 30, more than 30 years. And it's like, we haven't, we, we took the conversation like we left in, we left 10 minutes ago. You know what I mean? It's just, it was just magical. I loved it. Thanks to Anne Rosner. Yeah. <laughs> Who opened her house for us. <laughs> oh, you did it in someone's home. Yeah, because there was the beautiful thing of the reunion, but there were so many people to see, and I was having a hard time finding people that I actually worked with. So the way yeah. you could all be in one place instead of trying to like get through like three yeah to find I would love a picture of that because I think that th those are the stories that I love from the reunion is people that maybe haven't seen each other for years and I'm mm -hmm. the, the tears are interesting too like what do you think that was that made that so special that made it emotional to see each other uh, I think because we all had we all had the chance to leave something so special I mean I, I feel so privileged that I've been part of this, the history of, of the Lido, that I've been a bluebell. I mean, for me, it's, it, it's, it's something that makes so many people dream, and we were inside the dream. And I think that's, that's why it's so special. And also because we spend, the time we spend together is very intense but but we we spend a little we, little time together in our life but so intense i think that's that's the intensity of the thing that makes it so precious oh 
That is so good because I think I'm 60 years old and I only did Bluebells for one year and I did other shows, but like in my time, little mark, but it's a huge significance. I think when you're in your twenties and you're figuring out who you are, what you're about, and you're allowed to really embrace that and meet people from different cultures. And that's where I feel like I had not been exposed to so many of the things until I did those shows. Okay. You know, you live in your small town and then you find out there's people that are similar, but different in the backstage conversations. Yeah. <laughs> you're on stage, but there's so much life that happens in those dressing rooms and going out. Yeah. And, you go, and then you know, yeah. you know people. We share so much intimacy that only stayed between us that, that never came out of that. Yeah. I mean, people don't know, but we know <laughs> what we share and what's, yeah. Well, that's why doing this interview has been fun because I had never met you before, but I feel like, oh my gosh, we have yeah. friends we've we, had a similar. Yeah. And like we can be living across the world. And I was in Lyon, so if I ever go back, I'm like, I want to well, see. Well, if, if you go back, you have to call me. I would love to, yeah. You I feel must. Like this, this friendship pool has gotten bigger and bigger when we're mm-hmm. finding each other. I think for a lot of us saying we didn't know how special until we get to go back with, with connect our memories with each other. And that makes so, sense, the tears yeah. of the to go, oh my gosh, this really was an important part of my life. Yeah. So I thank you. That was really beautiful, Nat. I really loved um, just how, how, you know, the next thing that you do and why, what motivates you to do it. It's like, I just want to think, think about that for this whole day. Like the world is hard, but we have a way <laughs> to soften it and like, you know, to, to bring something to people that's not just survival. So yeah, like, we have to find a way. <laughs> well, I had to, at least. I yeah, don't know. Maybe it's not the case of everybody, but... Um, well, that's the beautiful thing. Everybody's story is a little bit different because there were people that did a show for 13 years and it was perfect for them. They got to yeah. have that. So I think that that's, you know, all of us are different, that it all, you know, it all goes yeah. out. So, and I know with quarantine that we're having more time to reflect on things. We're having time to really like sit yeah. pay attention to where we've been and maybe where we want to go next, that we could actually mm-hmm. take some of those things into what's next in our life. And there's a lot of beauty that we experience yeah. that we still can share and soften the, the harsh world. That was what I'm going to think about the rest of the day. So thank great, you. Great. Great. <laughs> it was wonderful. All I could probably say, I don't even know if I'm going to try to say any of my French. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so thank okay. you so much. I used to. Real treat. And we will, we'll be hearing, sharing this and you'll get to maybe connect with more friends when they get to hear your story. Yeah. Whoops. So thank you so much, Nat. Nat, It was great.